Northern Brewer is the proud sponsor of the Brewing Network's Jameel Show. They have the widest selection of domestic and imported malts and grain, hops from all over the world, and a full line of liquid and dry yeast. No matter what style of beer you're brewing, Northern Brewer has the ingredients you need, plus fast shipping and expert staff to help you make the best beer possible. Please visit northernbrewer.com for all things homebrew. I think we need our heads. <laughs> Dude, I'm ready for the anniversary show to get back into the session band. Yeah, there's a reason there's no video in this studio because people would like tune out immediately. Yeah. Oh my god, what the heck? We've yeah. been listening. A lot of little pre warm up, like our vocals when we sing, when we do like touching know. ourselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Make sure we're in people, tune. People think we're joking. <laughs> That's even no, funnier. No, no. Absolutely yeah. true. Hit myself in the face a few times, you yeah. know. So hey, howdy, hey, woohoo! We are on to Rauch beer. Rauch beer. Show number two. What? What? Yeah, we're gonna talk about Rauch beer today. One of funny story. At uh, sure. more beer in the grain area, they actually misspelled Rauch roach. <laughs> roach beer. Roach beer. Ro- ro- roach malt. Yeah. I roach malt. Were there roaches in the malt? Now, have you ever tasted Rauch beer? Raw. You might agree it's a roach grain, but anyways, ah, it's delicious. Yeah, yeah, absolutely fantastic. If you do it right, I agree. If you do it right, do it right, like our fine sponsors at northernbrewer.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those guys do it right. Yeah, they do. Absolutely. Mm. They uh, make this show possible Mm -hmm. by uh, keeping Justin in uh, top ramen and condoms. (laughs) Hey. Taking that, that, care that of his, that two, bad. his two primary needs. <laughs> Never eat top ramen without a condom on it. <laughs> never. See, just say that right now. <laughs> my advice to you. You never know what happens in those yeah. packages. You get some yeah. chicken flu or something, yeah. you know? <laughs> That's right. It's that good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you get some chicken flu. There you go. Yep. And, you know, uh, support the AHA. Support the Brewing Network in the uh, store. You can get yourself at AHA membership. There you go. All right. It's not that expensive. A few bucks goes to the Brewing Network. A few bucks goes to the AHA to help uh, support all the legislation that they pursue in on behalf of uh, home brewers and craft brewers everywhere. And uh, that fine magazine, Zymergy, mm-hmm. pub discount program. I use that on a regular basis. I save far more than the, uh, you know, uh, some places yeah, there's there's not a lot of pubs available in the pub discount program. But uh-huh. where are we? We're at. I'm using all the time. Hell yeah. So uh, pays for itself, and don't forget about you know that new book. What is it called? Um, brewing, oh, brew, brewing, brewing classic, classic styles. styles. I'm glad yeah. you I totally forgot about That's that. That's a pretty That's... good book. Whoever wrote that yeah. kind of knows what he's talking about. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that John Palmer guy. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, that's uh, the the Brewing Classic Style book is going to be available in the uh, Brewing Network store as well. Yeah. All right. You're gonna get that as a signed copy if Ooh. you buy it from the Brewing Network. It's gonna have yours truly signature in there. What's the uh, standard retail price? It's on that? regular price, but it'll be signed. That's your right. bonus. bonus. Plus, of course, you're supporting the show right. and the author. Let's not forget about that. Oh yeah. Uh, I think it's 1995. 1995. Nice. Yeah. Again, you're supporting the Brewing Network. Uh, a few pennies go to uh, me and uh, John uh, Palmer, Palmer. Mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I, I think it's a pretty good book as well. Hell yeah. I got an email sent to me about it this week, read it on the Sunday show actually, yeah. a listener agreeing with me when I said that it, it is going to change the way competitions go over the next couple of years and probably beginning this year at the nhc it's already happened and this particular listener said that there should be a box to check off on your entry form yeah. that says it's a jameel recipe or not <laughs> and, gonna... and that you should get points toward your ninka- your next yeah, ninkasi for, for every entry <laughs> <laughs> that is a classic styles injury i can agree with that <laughs> yeah. All right, let's, let's, let's put that into practice for number three number four yeah, yeah. well and uh i think you know, in uh, in the past, in a lot of competitions, judging a lot of competitions, not that uh, a lot of the recipes out there are are necessarily bad, but you know, a, a lot of times you'll you'll have beers that uh, you know well brewed, but you know the recipe was just really kind of misinformed as far as what develops a, a nice example of the style, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and it, admittedly, a lot of the information out there isn't that, you know, detailed as to what you would do to produce, a, you know, a certain example of the style. And so uh, one of the purposes of this book, this Brewing Classic Styles book, was to give a solid example of every style. Yeah. You know, something that would win in competitions, produces a beer that's, you know, fairly close to the, uh, uh, you know, commercial examples, you know, kind of in there in the style. And then people could brew this, get an idea what what it should be like, and then if they want to go ahead and tweak it, uh, you know, absolutely they can. But at least it gives them a you know a good starting point for you know all the BJCP styles instead of just uh, you know kind of winging it. And and you know some of the examples you would get would be it's like ah you know you're you're a good brewer you just weren't you know very close on the recipe. And it's like where do you get the recipe? It's like ah, I got off the internet. Right, it's just a base recipe. Well, that can really really uh, kind of to do things in well when you wrote this book how much like a recipe development was put into a lot of these recipes that are in there i mean i think it's important for the brewers to know like i doubt you brewed it once and you put it in a book knowing you i'm sure you brewed it three or four well, times and you're, you're setting me up to more praise for the book you yeah. betcha well um so i paid the big money but. Yeah. Good question there. <laughs> question I like. No, you know, people had asked me in the past, you know, how long did it take you to write this book? And, uh, you know, I'm like, well, let's see. This is 2007, you know, when, when they were asking me right. this. And, uh, you know, I probably started, oh, you know, it took me probably about seven years Whoa. <laughs> or eight years because I've been working on these recipes for that long. <laughs> And, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, dialing in the recipes and going, okay, no, that's wrong. You know, why doesn't this work? Oh, okay, I was misinformed, you know, by, you know, whatever I started with. Here's really what you need to do in order to make this style. Hmm. And so uh, it was a lot of that. What did you do when you were misinformed and you had no one to go to? 
Did uh, you buy commercial beer? Did you try? Yeah, commercial beers, and I try them. And it, it, initially, that wasn't so easy. But uh, towards the end, I, I got to the point where I could taste the beer, you know, taste a, a few commercial examples, and say, "Oh well, okay, I know what goes in this just by tasting it." Right. And you're, you know, maybe not exactly what they've put in it, but I know what I would do to make those exact same flavors and aromas and you know character. To this beer, it, it needs to be like this, that, and the other thing, and and that'll get you really close. And then I would brew that, you know, taste it again, and say, okay, well, I need to adjust here. And enter in some competitions, get some feedback. Okay, I need to go this way, that way, and then pretty soon you're dialed in, and it's like, okay, you know, done. Beer. Next one, next one. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, hmm. yeah, that's 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 you know all part of the process. Hmm. Well, you've definitely been pretty successful. And yeah, your beers yeah, are yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. I well, wish your beers were you. on tap here. Thank you. Well, you, yeah, know, you, you and me both. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> He's drinking it all. Well, overall, all things being equal, you have leveled the playing field in terms of being able to find great recipes. Oh, for the sure. only reason to not have a great recipe is that you didn't go by the book. So, there you go. There you go. Well, and uh, like you're saying, uh, you know, if everybody's starting with the same recipe, kind of brings out you know, kind of the brewer mm-hmm. as a you know, as a key aspect of of that. Well, you're also saving the starting home brewer two to three years worth of brewing. If they oh, go yeah. out and buy this yeah. right now, right. they're already miles ahead. Right. You know. Well, and the, and the cool thing is, you know, a lot of times you'll find a, a recipe that works really well for you, and it kind of matches your brewing equipment, your brewing style, and all that, and you brew it, and it turns out great. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now you want to brew a different beer. And that was really the only recipe from that source. And so the next recipe might be slightly different. And one of the things is, you know, when you can get a a number of recipes from one source, and if you have to make any sort of adjustment on the recipe, it usually applies to all the the recipes. You know, it's it's based on the difference in kind of your brewing technique. Mm -hmm. And uh, so if you can get a collection of recipes from one source, uh, for all the styles, That'll there you, you go. Right. Yeah, you don't you don't have to like figure it out every time you try a new recipe. Sure. Where if you're getting recipes at random, different authors, different sources, they may have been good for that person, but again, it's completely different than the recipe from somebody else. Right. Well, equipment, like you were saying, is right. definitely variable. Right. Interesting. So it's nice to be able to uh, you know have a, a single source for all those. So so how many times did you brew this smoke beer? And did you oh, enjoy it? Oh yeah, you know. And here's you know, here's the thing. This this uh, you know, smoke beer. It's it's an acquired taste. Yeah. You know, have you had a smoke beer you yeah, like? I never. <laughs> yeah, never. Never. Yeah. Th- those are fruit beers, man. Yeah. It's just smoke. It's just like, what were they thinking about putting smoke into this nice like, Mirzen or something? You know, it's just like okay, what? Well, you like bacon? Yeah, but not bacon every day. Smoky. Yeah, it is. <laughs> why is why is bacon good? Because of the smoke with the pig fat and all that. Yeah, stuff. are you saying I should dry hop with bacon? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> why don't you give us a rundown on this style? All right, a rauchbier. It's a rauchbier, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, the aroma in the beer, and it's, it's definitely a a perfect blend of smoke and malt, and the aromas you get, you definitely get a bacon or a woody or a uh, smokiness from the beechwood that is used. Uh, it's uh has less malt character if it's smokier and vice versa um the less smokier it is the more malt it has and it's just because of what the smoke uh, malt contributes to the beer style 
Um, and it definitely has a strong lager character, too. Visually, it's very clear. Uh, Tan-colored head retention ranges from medium amber to light copper color. Sometimes it can be dark brown. The flavor, you it's it's like a similar to the smoky aroma. You would get the bacon and the woodiness in the flavor, prime on the palate. Um, and, and has Mirzen-like qualities, you know, the malty, the toastiness, even the biscuitiness, um, usually complemented by the beechwood flavor. Uh, moderate hop bitterness. It's not a bitter beer. I mean, the bitterness is just there to balance it without the maltiness. Uh, it ranges uh, medium dry to dry finish uh, from the smoke malts and definitely should have a clean lager flavor. Overall, it is a Mirzen Oktoberfest style beer with a smoky flavor and aroma. And, and I think if it you can smoke any beer, probably a smoked Weizen, a smoked Hellas. Yes, yeah, you can get lit. Absolutely, you can get lit. But it wouldn't fall into a Rausch beer category. It'd be like another smoked beer. Yes. So it's okay. got to be like a Mirzen base. Yeah, or yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. But I mean, they have like uh, uh, you know, Box and Hefeweizens and all those that are smoked beers as well. Hmm. But uh, yeah, I. I, I I would describe it, you know, briefly, I would describe it as a rich Oktoberfest with smoke character. Okay. Right. So it's 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 not like a drier, thinner Oktoberfest. It's kind of like a richer, maltier Oktoberfest. Okay. It's supposed to be kind of like an Oktoberfest, but most of the examples I've ever had have been kind of a richer Oktoberfest. <laughs> and do you like do you like barbecue? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of the smoke and barbecue. Not sure. not grilling, not well, throwing like something on a grill when you have hickory but, you chips. Know, yeah, but smoking, you know, yes. barbecue. Right. Uh, again, the reason barbecue works. Same reason smoke beer. I'm going to get you converted right. over. Man. I'm, I'm going to try when you have a good one. Yeah, I tell you. And, and sometimes it, it takes a couple of pints to really get into it. If you have just a little bit, yeah, it's like. Eh, but once you get to drinking it. You kind of yeah. adapt to it, and you like really it. drinking it. You're huh. just like, wow, this is really good because it's, and 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 the best examples, you know, you get that smoke each time you drink it, right? Right. So uh, some beers, uh, you know, hoppy beers, really bitter beers. You know, your your ability to detect the the bitterness kind of fades quickly. Mm-hmm. A lot of that happens on smoke too, but in the really good ones, um, you know, you you. It's just enough that you know when you drink it, you get uh, you know the nice smoke character, and every time, every sip you get, you get a nice smoke character. But it shouldn't be just all smoky, like just like it's licking pretty, raw bacon. Or it's something. pretty intensely smoky. Well, and here's the thing, you know, you mentioned bacon, and 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 the stock guide mentions bacon. Bacon to me means hickory. Okay. And for a classic Ralph beer, it's more beechwood. Right. Which is not hickory. It's completely different. And uh, um, I know uh, Kevin Pratt, a brewmaster, mm-hmm. they're brew, they're uh, smoking their own malts up there. Mm-hmm. And they do a cherry wood and, you know, different stuff like that. I haven't messed with that stuff. But I imagine that you get different flavors from, you know, just like you do in barbecue, you get different flavors using different kinds of woods. Sure. And you know, smoke with a different kind of wood, you get a different kind of flavor. So you know, the same thing. Uh, hickory is completely you know, like bacon tends to be hickory smoked. Uh, you know, Rauch beer should be beechwood. Um, 
you know, uh, if you're talking about other smoked beers, uh, you know, um, 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 Alaskan Brewing, their their Alaskan yeah, smoked, smoked Porter, beer. which really kind of smart started that whole other smoked beer thing. Sure. Uh, that's that's smoked beer. with Alderwood. Alderwood, interesting. So everything has a kind of a different different character, hmm. and uh, you know, one of the the one things you you don't want to use for this style of beer. Personally, I don't think you want to use for any style of beer is is peat smoked malt. No peat and malt. Yeah, peat and malt. Uh, no way. Is it, is it too obtrusive? Or is it? Yeah, it's, it's just nasty. Okay, it's nasty. That's that's really nasty. <laughs> so it's too smoky, or it's just it nasty. Just, period. It's very phenolic. Yeah. Uh, well, smoke is phenolic in and of itself, but it's, I don't know. It's just peat smoked is is really really funky. So again, I, I don't really believe uh, you know the bacon thing, but you know, like a smoky, woody, you know the beechwood smoke. It's a very clean smoke character. Hmm. The beechwood smoke. You know, I tried roach malt or roach malt mm-hmm. uh, raw <laughs> malt. last week just for kicks before uh-huh. the show, uh-huh. and and I was actually talking to a customer, and he was like, "Oh, weird!" And it totally threw him back. But what was interesting about eating it raw was how it had this kind of lingering effect all the way through the palate and mm-hmm. then I could breathe. I could actually smell right. it through my nose. Right. I mean, this is strong stuff. Well, again, the smoke yeah. will stay with you. It's it's the same thing like, you know, the bitterness thing. You do, t- it tends to kind of numb you out to the smoke, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so when you're drinking it, uh, you know, 50%, 100% smoke malt could be used in this beer. Wow. You know, and it can be intensely smoky. And that's okay. And that's okay. Because, again, you know, the first wave kind of numbs you out. Mm-hmm. And then... <laughs> second one's even better. You know. You like it. The second one, yeah. And, you know, then it, it gets kind of an evenness, right? It's like those IPAs, you kind of grow into them. Right, exactly. Yeah, okay. And, you know, the first sip may be real bitter. Yeah. But the so next one isn't so bitter. More. Right. And, it, you know, and then it's an easy drinking pint. You know, even uh, like uh, Vinny's, uh, you know, Pliny. Yeah, that's you know, again, that's intensely bitter, intensely hoppy, but you know, you have a couple of sips and you're like, Oh yeah, you know, it becomes a re- you know, initially it's like woo Yeah. And then it's like, Hey, yeah, it's an easy drinking pint. Yeah, two yeah. pints later you're on the floor. Right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> so uh, you know, that's that's uh you know, a big part of it there. Interesting. I think uh you know that that sort of balance. All right, so we'll take a break, and when we come back, we will talk uh, about the recipe and all that. All right? Sound good? Cheers. Okay, we'll be back right after this. All right. <laughs> oh, crap! It's the hop shortage! He's in the basement! Oh, please! My triple decocted imperial pilsner! It's all gone. We'll never brew again. Damn this hop shortage! Damn it to hell! Was is was. Hop shortage? Who are you guys? Ich bin Doppelbock! Ich bin Kölsch. Und ich bin Münchener Helles. We don't need a lot of hops to be delectable. Now brew something. Malzi. Use less hops, brew more beer. Northern Brewer has kits and ingredients for dozens of worldwide beer styles that don't require a lot of hops to make a great pint. Like the cool blonde Kölsch or the ponderously bottom-heavy Doppelbach. Keep drinking great beer. Order at northernbrewer.com and get flat rate $7.99 shipping anywhere in the contiguous U.S. One beer kit, $7.99 shipping. One million beer kits, $7.99 shipping. Together we can beat this hop shortage. Mm-hmm. Now get brewing! Did you know that every day a brewcaster goes to bed hungry? Did you know that that brewcaster is silently calling for the help of people just like you? 
Do you know that every day the unicorn and the rainbow have to blow sailors for loose change? For less than the cost of a half-calf, quad-shot, venti, extra-hot, soy milk, triple-pump, hazel, low-fat foam, double-cupped macchiato a day, you can help starving adults in Pacheco. Your love can be felt for as little as seven cents a day. Visit thebrewingnetwork.com slash donate to sign up today for as little as $2 a month. Private first class in the BN Army. Buy your way up the ranks as corporal, sergeant, ranger, or colonel with an easy-to-do monthly donation that keeps brewcasters alive and your favorite internet radio station broadcasting. No donation is too small to help those in need. Can't you find it in your heart to share your love with a brewcaster? In return, you will enjoy the wealth of knowledge that comes with every episode of the session. The Jamil Show and Yes even that other show. Thank you for listening, and please sign up for your donation at thebrewingnetwork.com slash donate today. White Labs is a leader in pure yeast and fermentation services, serving the beer, wine, and distilling industries from worldwide producers for more than a decade. White Labs has three all-new vials for you to pitch this year, home brewers, so fire up your kettles, fill up your fermenters, and get ready for Cry Havoc, the signature yeast strain from Charlie Papazian. This yeast can ferment both ales and lagers and is great for bottle conditioning, too. Second, a cream ale blend of ale and lager yeast strains. This blend creates a clean, crisp, light American lager-style ale. Last, a Belgian-style Saison ale yeast blend. This blend melds Belgian-style ale yeast and Saison strains to create complex, fruity aromas and flavors. Get complete fermentation quickly with this blend's spicy, earthy, and clove-like flavors. White Labs, your brewing partner for great yeast. These new strains are available now for home brewers, breweries, and homebrew shops everywhere. White Labs, it's all in the vial. Did you know I was born on the bayou? No, I was. <laughs> Plaisez. 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 Yes. Born on the bayou! Yeah, Jamil. You know, there's something about that old school music, that old analog tape quality, that warming bass tone that just, mm, right there in the heart. Mm. Not in the crotch? In well, the that heart. too, a little bit. <laughs> but, a little groin action yeah, there. Old classic rock, you know? Just makes you want to brew. <laughs> Makes you want to brew? Yeah. Makes me want to do something else. All right. Uh, Rauch beer uh, uh, for this recipe. Uh, starting gravity of 1056. Finishing gravity 1014. About 27 IBUs using the Rager formula. Using uh, 16 SRM using the Mori formula for color. And you're going to be about 5.6% uh, alcohol by volume. Extract brewers, here's the thing on the extract brewing on this one. Uh, uh, Vireman does make a uh, Ralph Malt extract, 100% Ralph Malt. Wow. Yeah. But I, I know of nobody who's carrying it here in the U.S. Yeah. Maybe our, our great sponsor, Northern Brewer, could look into uh, uh, getting some of that on hand. Because <clears throat> you can go ahead and steep uh, some Ralph Malt. Well, the problem with steeping something like that is it needs to be converted. You will get some of the smoke flavor out of it, but you're also going to extract some starches and things like that. And does the conversion help the route, that that smoky flavor? Uh, well, yeah, I think it does a little bit. Okay. But, uh, you know, you, you, this is a beer you don't want with a haze. Sure. Right? If you're making a beer like a Dunkel Weizen, like our last show, right. 
Uh, haze is fine. Don't worry about it. But on something like this, you want it nice and brilliantly clear. So if you can't get the 100% raw malt extract, if you can't get, uh, and you can go ahead and steep it, but the, the thing to do is to learn to do partial mash. Hmm. Which is uh, not that hard. Right. You know, it's essentially steeping the grain at a specific temperature for a certain amount of time, right? Like and a half that, hour. Yeah, yeah and, and that'll work. So, you know, partial mash, uh, you know, you're going to go, and the um, uh, the great thing about uh, the Rauchmalt is it'll still self-convert, I believe. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, not not that difficult. You just, you know, crush it, hold it at a certain temperature in, in water, a certain amount of water, one and a half uh, quarts per pound of grain, and uh, hold it like... You put in water like 154 degrees Fahrenheit and just let it sit for an hour, mm-hmm. and Converse. then and then treat it like it was steeped grain. You know, rinse out the sugars and you're you're done. Okay. So it's, it's really not that difficult, and that's what you should do with this. Uh, if you can, you know, and if you can get the extract, then great, go ahead and do it. The other thing on this is um, the amount of smoke malt. I I've I I started out doing this. I think I started like 20 percent, and then I went to like you know. 30%, then we're at 50%. I really like this beer with like 50% Rauch malt. Wow. Real smoky. But the general thing through competition seems to be about 33% is where it kind of falls as far as uh, keeping the judges happy and all the palates happy. And no matter where you end up in the flight, it's about 33% is really kind of dialed in there. That's a good little tip. But, you know, feel free to adjust up or down whatever your personal tastes are. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, don't don't really shortchange it. Don't don't go too too wimpy. Go mm. bold. Go bold. Go big. Yeah, yeah. Go big. Go big or go home. <laughs> yeah. All right. So ten fifty six. It's going to be made up uh, for an extract brewer. You're going to use about four point two five pounds uh, or one point nine two kilograms of Pilsner liquid malt extract. Three point three pounds or one one and a half kilograms of uh, Rauch uh, extract. And 1.3 pounds or 0.6 kilograms of uh, Munich extract. For an all-grain brewer, you're going to use, and, and if you're, uh, uh, you're going to use uh, 5.6 pounds of, uh, or 2.54 kilograms of uh, Pilsner malt, and uh, 1.75 pounds or 0.8 kilograms of Munich malt, and 4.5 pounds or 2.04 kilograms of a German beechwood smoke malt. Don't use peat smoke malt under any circumstances, right? Never. Mash at 154 degrees Fahrenheit or 68 degrees C. If you're going to do the partial mash, you can use the Pilsner extract, the Munich extract, uh, the Rauch malt you would mash at uh, 4.5 pounds, uh, 2.04 kilograms. Same amount as in the all-grain recipe. Uh, Crush it. Uh, add it to water to where you get to 154 degrees Fahrenheit and let it sit for an hour, and then uh, you're pretty much done. That should do it. Your other grains in there, you're going to add uh, Kara Munich, around 60 love, uh, three-quarter pound, 227 grams, melanoid malt at, at 28 degrees level bond, a quarter pound or 113 grams, and then just a touch of black malt, uh, 600 level bond, two ounces, 57 grams. You can use a um, a, uh, a craft special, something like that, to color it up uh, as well. That's fine. The black malt, 
the interesting thing in this is it, it provides a little kind of a, a, a different aspect on the smokiness. Does it complement it? Yeah, it does. Hmm. Which is uh, you know kind of a, a trick on this. Okay. That's, that's Hopping. Uh, Halitau pellets, 4% alpha acid. At 60 minutes, you're going to add an ounce and a half or 43 grams. And then the same hop at 10 minutes, a half ounce or 14 grams. That should get you uh, about 27 IBUs using the Rager formula. Yeast, I like uh, White Labs WLP 830 German Lager or Y Yeast 2124 Bohemian Lager. If you're a dry yeast user, uh, the Fermentus uh, Saf Lager S23, that's a pretty good choice. It tends to be a little more sulfury and a little more uh, doughy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would ferment that a little warmer. I would give it like an extra 5 degrees wow. over the liquid yeasts. The mid-50s? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and that tends to seem to drive off more of the sulfur and uh, kind of reduce that doughiness. Uh, as far as uh, the liquid yeasts, you're going to ferment those at uh, 50 degrees Fahrenheit. I like to pitch cold. Like at uh, 44, 45 degrees Fahrenheit, let it rise up to 50 after the first day. And then uh, ferment at 50 degrees or 10 degrees C and uh, till it's uh, completely done uh, fermenting. And then carbonate two, two and a half volumes. Uh, just like a, any good German lager. Makes for a fine beer. And drink it. And drink it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm just kind of curious, what is Beechwood? I mean, what is this... I mean, uh, beechwood, uh, you know, uh, beech trees, I guess. Uh, you know, wood you find at the beach. Perfect. And yeah. you just smoke it. And- <laughs> yeah. This is uh, common around Germany and environment uh, 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 malting. They, uh, and there's a couple of uh, maltsters in Bamberg that make uh, make a smoke malt, rauch malt. And uh, beechwood is like the traditional thing. And uh, the the thing about smoking malts, like we were talking earlier, is uh, you know the the wood used adds character to the smoke that you know affects the malt, and you can taste that in the in the beer. So they're actually taking a base malt, like a pilsner, uh-huh. and then they're smoking it through, like on a barbecue with some <laughs> yeah beechwood yeah. on the side. Yeah, they get out the Weber. Get out the way. <laughs> they do it a pound at a time. Well, I'm curious how Homer would do this, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, if you're interested in smoke beers, you pick up uh, Ray Daniel and Jeff Larson's uh, smoke beer book, and uh, they have a little bit of information in there about smoking your own malts. Hmm. And then you can call up uh, uh, Kevin Pratt at Brewmaster in Folsom, California. Just ring him up and said, I said it was okay to call He'll love you, too. (laughs) And uh, ask him about smoking malts and and some advice on that, because apparently he's doing quite a bit. But uh, I know that you need to uh, wet the malt down, and that helps it uh, absorb absorb more of the smoke. And then, uh, you know, you cold smoke it. Okay. Uh, And, uh, you know, a certain amount of time, temperature, amount of smoke, all that stuff comes into play. Wow. And then the thing to do is uh, let the malt rest. So you put it in a bag after, you know, you you let it dry out, uh, and then the smoking process will you know, dry it out as well. And then... Uh, Just put it like uh, a Ziploc bag or something? Yeah, and then you let it rest for, you know, a week or so. Okay. And it helps to kind of somehow so, uh, make make the, the flavors a little more uh, palatable. <laughs> and the same thing on uh, you're brewing this. So, you know, once you brewed it, 
this is a beer also for lagering. Because when the smoke is real fresh, it can be a little harsh. Yeah. If you give it a little time, you give it a month or two, uh, the, the flavors tend to blend and uh, kind of, I wouldn't say mellow so much as kind of, they take on a kind of a different color overall, a uh, different flavor overall, and, and tend to uh, kind of marry with the beer flavors, mm-hmm. the malt flavors, the, uh, you know, a little bit of caramel, a little bit of breadiness, a little bit of uh, and these other things going on, and it tends to really complement the, the uh, overall beer. Is this a beer that you can age? And will it, that character stay there? I mean, yeah, um, yeah. The one that uh, did I did I take first place with uh, smoke beer last year? In the Nationals, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I did at one point, and it uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, it you know it'd be uh, several years old, and it was it still and yeah you know, did well. It was still there. Yeah. And do you treat like a Roush malt like you're applying oak? I mean, you've got to be pretty conservative that you don't add too much and too little. I mean, and then they're totally two different flavor compounds, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying, I'm just thinking if you were going to use a Roush malt in your beer, I mean, w- w- if you, w- what quantity are you shooting for? I mean, you're saying 50% in your style, 33% to be to, for the judges. I mean, can you overdo it? Yeah. And does no. mash temperature affect the amount of extraction at all? Or? Well, Here's the thing. When you over-oak a beer or over-wood-age a beer, you tend to get a real tanniny, a tannin stringency, a real harshness that's like overwhelming and it's overdone. Hmm. Wood character in aging, wood-age beers, uh, is generally a complement to the other flavors of the beer. And can really overwhelm and mask, and it can make, and again, the astringency can make things hard from extracting tannins from the wood. When you add smoke to a beer, when you add, uh, you know, a smoke malt to a beer, the smoke malt itself is a major component of the flavor. And as intense as even like 100% Rauch malt beer can be, the malt flavor still comes through, and it never really, really? Huh. it never, it's a, it's a, it never really becomes um, anything astringent. It becomes, you know, the phenolic to all get out, and even with that intensity, I think it's still okay. Wow! So it's, it's, I think it's harder to overdo smoke malt in a in a classic raw beer. Now, if you're making like something like smoke porter, it's much easier to go overboard. Sure. Okay, but if you're making a classic Rauch beer, it's about the smoke. Okay, you know it's still about the beer, but it's really also about the smoke. So it's very hard to overdo. Okay, it's easier to un- <laughs> underdo than it is to overdo. I think. Don't be afraid of the smoke. Right, and okay. you know the, the flavor will mellow out over time. Hmm. You give it enough time, it will it will reduce down as well. The one thing you never want to do in this is use any of those. Uh, Smoke flavorings. I know people I are like, really? you, yeah, you go to the store and there's like uh, all these uh, smoke flavorings <laughs> that people use. They add them to uh, barbecue sauces. Interesting. And they use them to flavor up barbecue sauces. Well, I'll tell you this. I had a time when um, 
I was, I can't remember where it was. Um, I think it's, uh, uh, anyways, I had, uh, several beers, uh, during this tasting where, uh, it was all smoked beers. It's supposed to be classic rock beers. And a couple of them were made with beechwood. Somebody tried making one with peat smoke. Malt. Oh, no. Uh, and several people used these uh, smoke extracts. Yeah. And I'll tell you, the smoke extracts, just horrible. They uh-huh. either tasted very much like bacon. Yeah. Or it tastes like an ashtray. Ugh. Or it tasted like, you know, uh, you know, your house caught on fire and, you know, or you had like a car fire. And it was just like, yeah. it was like the worst possible things. You can't use smoke extract for this kind of beer. Okay. It's just not going to work. Yeah. So you can use a malt extract made from smoked malt. Because it's actually barley. Right. Right. But you can't, any of those liquid smoke extracts you see in the store. Just say no. Big mistake. Okay. Say no. Yeah, <laughs> you're just gonna ruin your beer. Okay. And you know, if you don't believe me, you go ahead. Maybe put you know, get yourself a bottle of beer, sure. put a couple of dropperfuls in there. And if you really believe that's good, go ahead, go go with it. But uh, chances are, it's pretty nasty. Hmm. Do you think a home brewer, if they were able to pasteurize or sterilize their their uh, Roush malt, do you think they can actually dry hop it in the keg? Like, let's say I made a mirror and I split the word, I lagered it mm-hmm. out, and I just threw in some Roush malt in the keg. Would it, would I get any of that smoke flavor? I mean, I know there's tons of bacteria in raw malt, so. Yeah, yeah, it's covered in lactobacillus. Yeah. You'd get uh, smoke flavor. Um, if you crushed it, you might get some starches as well. So you need some haze and. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Really not the way to do. I think. If you if you wanted to mess around with that sort of you know dosing, uh, you know partially dosing a, a batch like you're making ten gallons of Oktoberfest and sure. you wanted to uh, you know add smoke to just part of it, what I would do is make the ten gallons of Oktoberfest wort and then do a mini mash of just uh, the Rauch malt and uh, you know boil that separately right. and then add that to uh, oh, you there know. You go. Uh, half your batch. Okay, that's a good idea. That would work. That'd you have to add it while it's fermenting, or right, or you know, you could just do a hundred percent. Do you know a couple gallons of hundred percent or alpha malt, ferment it out, and, and then blend balance it. blend. Yeah, oh, there, there, you, there go. you go. Yeah, yeah, I've never never thought about that before. That'd but be that would fun. that would be an interesting way of doing it. There you go. Yeah, and you'd have a pretty good control over it. Yeah, that's a good idea. Bright tanking. Yeah, there, there, you go. there you go. See, that's. <laughs> You prove your worth on this show every day. Whew, thank God. That's a good one. That's well, a good one. All right. We'll take a little break, and when we come back, we will answer some questions from the chat room. We'll be back after this. Hi, I'm Sean O'Sullivan, the brewmaster and co-founder of the 21st Amendment Brewery and Restaurant in San Francisco. Six years ago, Nico Freccia and I opened the 21st Amendment on 2nd Street with the intent of bringing back the local neighborhood brew pub. Well, the neighborhood has really changed over the years, but the 21st Amendment still remains a great place for people to meet over a terrific meal and a tasty pint of beer. In the past, the only way you could enjoy the 21st Amendment's handcrafted beers was at the brew pub. Well, all that has changed. Now, the 21st Amendment beers are available in cans. 
That's right, cans. When was the last time you had a great beer in a can? Well, that day has come. We're offering our world-famous watermelon wheat and 21A IPA in cans. Cans are a better package than glass because cans keep the beer fresher longer, but you can also take cans to places where bottles can't go, like the beach, lake, golf courses, and sporting events. So join us in the revolution to take back the can from the big breweries and crack open a cold 21A craft beer in a can. The 21st Amendment, 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park. Did you know that you can not only order from More Beer online at morebeer.com and receive free shipping on most orders over $59, but you can also shop in person at their two retail locations located in Concord and Riverside, California. In fact, the Concord facility has grown to over 15,000 square feet to fit all the new products, expanded showroom, and new knowledge center classroom. And now, in conjunction with the Brewing Network, More Beer is making it easier than ever to keep up on what's happening. Download the More Beer monthly podcast by clicking podcast at morebeer.com. You'll learn about More Beer's history, sales and discounts on More Beer products, get to know team members, and hear ways to save you money. They're also launching a brand new website soon with more features and a better online shopping experience. So go to morebeer.com or call 800-600-0033. That's 800-600-0033. Attention homebrew shop owners at Fermentap. They know you're tired of buying the same old gear that everyone else has. That's why Fermentap offers the newest and most cutting-edge brewing equipment known to man. Since 1998, Fermentap has been leading the fight against the boring and mundane by offering strange, unique, and just plain smart equipment. Like their stainless-domed false bottoms. Never deal with the floating plastic hassle of other false bottoms again. And since they're made from stainless steel, they'll last a lifetime. Fermentap's line of copper wort chillers are the best on the market, designed to cool your wort faster and more efficiently than other immersion chillers. They actually invented the equipment to make these chillers not only work great, but look great too. How about a fantastic line of ingredients, including vanilla beans, sorghum extract, blue agave extract, hot bitterness extract, unique wine yeasts, green coffee beans, sake kits, all stuff you can't find anywhere else. Fermentap carries all the standard products and equipment you need as well, such as all-grain systems, stainless hardware, kettles, Carbonation stones, you name it, they've got it. Fermentap's entire line of products has been helping retail shops meet the demands of their customers for nearly 10 years, and they want to help you too. For more information, see them on the web at fermentap.com or call Jason at 1 800 942 2750. Fermentap, better beer through innovation. This Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to the Brewing Network. And now, back to the Jameel Show. All right, we're back. We're talking Rauch beer. Yeah. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah. Glory days. We have entirely too much fun doing this. Yeah, we do. Can I just ask you a random question? Sure. Why does Budweiser on the back of their cans say clarified or filtered with beechwood? Mm-hmm. Beechwood aged. Which beechwood aged, sorry. Right. Yeah. right. Well, I mean, what, what's well, going on here? And I think we talked about this in the wood age beer show, didn't we? Uh, sure. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> well, 
And but why just case? So what they're what they're doing there is they actually steam the daylights out of these things to where they're like no flavor in them. But the surface of the of wood, especially after you have like uh, intensely steam it, is full of uh, real fine, fuzzy kind of like you know uneven, rough uh, surface. What you're doing there is you're increasing the surface area. The yeast settle out. And they settle out in a much larger surface than the bottom of the fermenter normally would be. Imagine you're the bottom of your carboy. Okay. Right? If you were to let yeast flocculate out in the bottom of that, uh-huh. the, that surface area. Sure. Now, if you were to take a whole bunch of little spiky things, like Velcro hooks, right, and uh-huh. lay them across the bottom, and the yeast could cover every little inch of every little hook. You didn't. Okay. You've made a huge surface area. Right. And that surface area, the yeast is, is exposed to the, the beer and can reabsorb the diacetyl and the acetaldehyde and all that stuff and uh, improve the quality of the beer through uh, lagering and, and being exposed to it. So that's what beechwood aging is all about. Nice. kind of want to use that in my next lager. Right. So increasing the surface area. There you go. There you go. Hmm. Right. Thanks. So that's, that's what it's Good all show. about. <laughs> We're not done oh, yet. Oh, yes, my bad, my bad. <laughs> done some questions. We got some questions from the chat room. We do. A couple of questions came through about this beer. Uh, one is a, even a general question for anything that you're steeping. Um, somebody asked, why not steep at mash temperature instead of doing the raising? Well, you certainly can. I think, you know, one of the reasons that, uh, you know, we don't talk anything about, you know, trying conversion and steeping and all that is that uh, you know, you'd have to have a specific temperature, not too hot, not too cold. You got to do it for a certain amount of time. You got to worry about you know, get the right amount of water to grains. Although that's very forgiving. And I think for somebody just starting out brewing, yeah. way too many parameters. Way yeah. you know, very confusing for for people who listen to this show. You know, they've probably been brewing a while. Absolutely. Yeah, you, know, you go ahead and do that, and and it's actually a good idea because the majority of grains that you're told to steep. Mm-hmm. Uh, need to be converted. Now, a lot of them won't self-convert. Now, all the crystal malts and things like that, you go ahead and st- the crystal malts and the black malts, uh, highly kiln malts, you go ahead and steep them. Don't worry about the, any any conversion on those. But uh, anything else, you can throw in like a uh, half pound or a pound of uh, 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 two-row malts, a domestic two-row or Pilsner malt or whatever you, you have. And that'll have enough enzymes to convert most of your specialty grains because you, you know, you're really not going to use that much. So just back off a little bit on uh, the amount of extract and then uh, throw in a pound of uh, base grain along with your specialty grains, hold them at temperature. Again, about a you know a, a 3 to 1 ratio of uh, water to, to grain, whatever. Uh, and that should... That should uh, do you just fine and okay. hold it for an hour and then uh you know kind of rinse it out and you're all done okay so yeah uh, everybody should should do partial mashing i think yeah it's really not that hard and it opens up a whole new world to you as far as brewing it was my first big step to changing you know and getting and then of course getting into all grain once you do that you know all grains just and, and not putting stars in your beer both of those things made good beer just around the corner <laughs> right. still just around the corner but <laughs> getting <there>. closer <laughs> it's right there um all right somebody asked about using wlp 833 the german bach yeast in this yeah beer. that's a great yeast too okay the the, the thing is uh y- 
really you can use uh, you know the specific lager yeasts uh, for uh, you know a variety of uh, uh, different styles. And for certain styles, I like to use the Bach yeast, and some of them I like to use the eight thirty. Eight thirty is going to be uh, uh, you know probably the eight thirty or the uh, white yeast twenty one twenty four is probably going to be the one that most beer drinkers are familiar with, most beer judges. What I like to do is kind of pick one lager yeast and use it for all my lagers. And, uh, you know, so you can grow up an appropriate pitch and you can repitch and, you know, the yeast is in, in good shape. That's that's one way to go. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, uh, 833, that's fine. Okay. You can cool, use that. Cool thing about that yeast, too, is it doesn't really need a diacetyl rest. If you just let a lager five, six weeks in the primary, you don't have to worry about doing a de-rest compared to, like, a Czech yeast. This is just what I found. Clean great. itself up. It just is just a really clean, strong yeast. So Okay. Uh, so a lot of people agree with John in some ways about smoke and then how the smoke could be could be too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a question that came through was about, is there a standard measuring for the amount of smoke in a beer or even in the malt? Like we have SRM, we can look at the color chart. Is there anything okay. like that for smoke? Yes. If, uh, if, if the smoke seems to be too much for you, then you were a pansy. <laughs> and you've not had enough bacon. Yes. You didn't drink enough. You, you didn't drink enough. No. Uh, actually, I, I know of no measurement for you know, smoke, especially in a beer. Uh, I, I'm not familiar with any. Okay. So it's definitely an acquired but, taste. Yeah, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I think, uh, you know, it's like anything. You know, there's a lot of different beer styles out there. And once you understand... You know the the various aspects of them, and you can uh, uh, you know experiment with the flavors and things like that. You, you come to appreciate it. Uh, you'd be surprised. Uh, you know there there were a lot of things I didn't like when I first started out, and you know the more I became exposed to it, and you know, good examples of the style, it's like wow, that's really good. When it's well done, boy, that's really good. I'm I'm surprised. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here's a question I like. I like when people are getting creative like this. They want to know, uh, what about putting Worcester sauce in a in a beer like this? <laughs> That's funny. Get that, get that yeah. barbecue flavor. Uh, you know, Worcestershire, uh, I don't think it's, it's really barbecue flavor. I don't know. Uh, Almost I think soy. It's, yeah, Saucy. it's a little different. Um, yeah, really, I don't think it would work very well. And actually, I have put Worcestershire in a in a beer. Oh yeah, I've been made to regret that that action. <laughs> what was um, it? What kind of beer? <laughs> it was for. I was supposed to be spiking <laughs> beers for uh, a BJCP class up in uh. our, our exam up in uh, in Reno. I was uh, administering the exam, and uh, before the exam, I had gotten all my exam beers together, and I had. Uh, I had spiked, uh, I had taken uh, like an American Pale Ale, and I added in like a bottle of, you know, my Flanders Red to it to sour it up. And I had like, you know, four bottles of the Pale Ale, one of the the, uh, the Red. And I wanted it, you know, not really subtle. I wanted, you know, people to be able to kind of pick it out and, uh, you know, a sourness and, and comment on their judging sheets. Well... I tried this here at home, and then I, you know, took all my stuff up to Reno, and then I'm there in the kitchen of the the thing doing the, the dosing of the beers, and I mix it up, and I taste it just to make sure, and there's like no sourness, 
no funkiness whatsoever. I don't know if like the bottle that I was dosing it with, something was wrong with that, or you know what the heck was going on. But I'm thinking these people aren't going to notice anything in this beer, and they're kind of kind of get screwed on the exam because yeah. I you know I, I you know the the beer that's supposed to be messed up isn't messed up. So I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm in a kitchen here. I, there's got to be something that I can add to this beer to give it like a little bit of a, a funky thing that they would note on the exam and, you know, make make comments on. So I'm looking through, I'm looking through, I'm not finding anything. I came across the worst just here. I'm like, okay, let me be very careful in how much I add, right? And I add like, you know, a quarter teaspoon, you know, just like gallon of beer. And... Not really anything. I'm like, oh, okay, well, let me try like a half a teaspoon. <laughs> mm, not really anything. And I'm thinking, you know, I, I'm not, maybe my taste buds weren't working that day or whatever. So I go up to like, you know, three quarter of a teaspoon or something. And then it's overwhelming wow. all of a sudden. I don't know if it sank to the bottom and I wasn't stirring it enough or whatever. But what did it taste like? Worcestershire sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Just changed the whole beer to Worcestershire. Uh, Dave Sapsis was, uh, uh, proctoring the exam, and he uh, on his on his score sheet, he said, "Tastes like Worcestershire." I think he was one of the few people to say Worcestershire. Everyone was like meaty, brothy, yeah, you know. Uh, but he said Worcestershire. Okay, nice. so that's what you'll get. <laughs> yeah, you don't, don't want to do it. Okay, so now I've told that embarrassing story. No, yeah. it's perfect. Good work. Okay, and the last uh, good question came through. Is there a difference in maltsters who are uh, doing these malts? Have you found, uh, you know, preference, anything like that? Yeah, and, you know, for me, it's it's all firemen for, for smoke malt. Get it from the heartland. I mean, there's a reason why they make yeah. them. So. Right. Okay. I think that's, uh, you know, in the malt over time, here's the interesting thing is... Uh, you know, if the malt's been sitting around a long time, exposed to the air, the smoke tends to die down. If you get it real fresh, it tends to be much more smoky. <laughs> so you will have some variability there. Uh, you know, and you're going to have to play around with it. So again, I think that idea you had, John, about uh, kind of... Uh, Two-gallon batch. You know, do, yeah, do a little dosing, you know, do a smaller batch of 100% rock malt. Yeah. I'm going to have to try this next time. And then you, you ferment that out ferment out your other beer and then just blend yeah and i think you can get something exactly dialed in that's very clever we, we could do a whole show on blending that'd be fun yeah i'm not much of a blender okay i you know i, I do it on uh like ciders and oh, meads yeah. meads yeah but uh beers. not on beers hmm. no i just uh but uh they're uh what uh yeah ciders and meads you, you just have to and you have to like uh I, I got my whole, we got ciders and meats coming up at the end yeah. of the year. Uh-oh. And I tell you, I'm ready for it. Are you? I've been, I've been uh, you ready? Uh, refining my cider action and, and getting all that together. Nice. And uh, it's going to be good stuff. Cool. Good stuff, I'm telling you. I like when I go to the kegerator, I'm tired of this beer and I'm tired of that beer. And I just kind of mm-hmm. blend them. See what happens. Mm-hmm. You know? Kind of open up your world a little bit. Open up your world, a little smoke beer for you. <laughs> yeah. You brew me some, and then I'll try it out. You brew me some. <laughs> <laughs> sounds fair. Yeah, yeah, sounds it's fair. all on me. It's all on you. Brew me some. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we, did we cover all the questions? That's it from the chat. It's all yours. And you have any more questions, huh? No, I don't. It's all, right. it's all you, buddy. Okay. So let me uh, let me recap this uh, recipe here. Uh, starting gravity at 1056, uh, around 27 IBUs. You are going to, if you're an extract brewer... 
uh, ah, heck with it. Partial mo- partial mash is what you're going to do. For your extract brewery, you know, use a uh, 4.5 pounds, uh, two kilograms of uh, German beechwood smoke malt, and uh, you know, steep that uh, around 152, 154 degrees Fahrenheit, 68 degrees C, uh, for about an hour. Uh, you can use some Pilsner liquid malt extract, 2.2 pounds, or uh, on a Four four point two five pounds, uh, about two kilograms, and Munich liquid malt extract one point three pounds or point uh, six kilograms. And actually, you can partial mash your Munich malt too, in case you can't get the Munich malt extract. Right. Help convert it again. It, it, it'll self convert. Not a, not a problem. Same temperature, uh, same rules. Really should get into that if if you haven't, because uh, open up a whole new world for you. If you're an all grain brewer. Use uh, 5.6 pounds or 2.54 kilograms of uh, Continental Pilsner malt. Uh, for the Munich malt, you can use 1.75 uh, pounds or 0.8 kilograms. And the Rauch malt would be 4.5 pounds or 2 kilograms of uh, German beechwood smoked malt. Mash at 154 Fahrenheit, 68 degrees C. Uh, your other grains are going to be Care Munich 60 Love, 3 quarter pound or 227 grams melanoid malt. Quarter pound or 113 grams, and black malt, two ounce or 57 grams. Halitower hops, four uh, percent alpha acid, 60 minute edition, 1.5 ounce or 43 grams, and uh, 10 minutes, a half ounce or 14 grams. Ferment that with uh, White Labs WLP 830 or Y yeast 2124 or whatever your favorite uh, uh, high quality German lager yeast is. They're all good. Yep. And then uh, if you're a dry yeast user, ferment a Cephalogger S23. Ferment around uh, 50 degrees Fahrenheit, 10 degrees C, and uh, carbonate to about two, two and a half volumes. And drink. And drink. <laughs> Jonesy, that's, that's my plug. Addition to the, to, to the recipe, <laughs> yes. Thank you. All right. So uh, don't forget there's the uh, Brewing Network anniversary party coming up Saturday, June 14th at Downtown Joe's, Napa, California. Check the forum for details. you got to be there. I'll be there. John oh, yeah. will be there. Be Justin rocking. will be there. It's going to be a wild old time, and Downtown Joe's is a fantastic place. Check the Brewing Network store for uh, signed class- Brewing Classic Styles books, shirts, hats, more, HA memberships, donate, things like that. Keep this show going. Keep it going. Keep it going. Justin needs his ramen and condoms. I believe I can fly. Oh, wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Bruce Strong, buddy. Bruce Strong.